Finding Revelation in Our Daily Lives, Podcast 4. Finding Revelation in Our Personal Lives is to discover or perceive a surprising and or previously unknown fact through divine or supernatural disclosure. It can be an event, dream, vision, or miracle made known in subtle or dramatic ways. In order to experience revelation, we must discern what is happening in our spirit through exchange and interaction with people, nature, and the connection to our surroundings. Then translate this information into revelation through scriptural knowledge. The revelation will contain and reveal a divine truth that is communicated to us through the understanding of God's guidance and warnings. It may be something he reveals to us through an act of protection, enlightenment, or by revealing spiritual wisdom through a dream, vision, or miracle. My mission is to express to you the importance of being aware and receiving this divine assistance. We all must have an understanding and the knowledge of how God works in our daily lives, as revealed in Scripture. We can gain insight by telling each other our experiences. They become a powerful medium in which we can learn and grow. Understanding these messages can help strengthen our resolve when times are difficult. My last podcast explained my Maui rainbow experience. In June of 2005, my husband and I encountered the end of a rainbow and drove our Jeep through it slowly as we gave thanks to God. Now, I would like to tell you how we came to visit the island. When Jim and I were first married, his ulcer had blown up, which caused him to almost bleed to death. At that time, which was around 1987, I made a deal with God that if he would save Jim, I would repay him with whatever he wanted. Many years later, my promise to God had been long forgotten. In the late 90s, I was sitting in church when the priest called for us to contribute to the nun's retirement fund. I became aware of my promise to God, and I felt a stirring in my soul that this was where I was to give back. We were not in a place to afford much, but I gave as much as I could scrape together at the time. I believe that when we keep our word to the Lord, He will bless us with His grace and love. As I continue to tell my story, I believe in one way or another, it all connects. I had earned a spot with the top performers in the company I was working for. The all-expense-paid award ceremony was to be held in Portugal. I decided this was a great time to take a vacation. So I made the arrangements to travel to Italy, France, and Spain with Jim, and then meet up with my company in Portugal. After the festivities, We were to stop in Ireland for four days. It was to be the trip of a lifetime. At that time, there was little international travel happening after the terror attack of 9-11. People were still too afraid to fly. With what is going on today with the COVID-19 and people being too scared to fly reminds me of those days when people feared what could be coming next. When we arrived in Europe in June 2003, it was noticeably quiet, enabling us to tour the major attractions without long waits. 
The first stop on our tour was Rome. One afternoon, while out exploring the city, we stopped for lunch at a sidewalk cafe close to the Vatican. Jim went inside to order as I looked for a table outside. I noticed a nun sitting by herself at a long table on the edge of the sidewalk. I sat down and introduced myself. She explained to me that she had been living in Rome for more than two years, and I was the first person to approach her on the street. This surprised me. I thought since we were in Rome and staying right next to the Vatican, people would jump at the opportunity to interact with a nun who I believe are the unsung heroes of the faith. They give of themselves selflessly and take solemn vows. They live a life of prayer and contemplation in a convent and are rarely noticed for their sacrifice. I love the nuns. If I remember correctly, her name was Sarah. Sister Sarah shared how she felt relieved that her father and mother had come from New York to spend time with her. As I sat talking to her, out from the cafe door appeared Jim with her parents, chatting like they were old friends. After a delightful lunch, she gave each of us a miraculous Mary medal and told us she was going to ask the nuns to pray for our safe travels. She wrote our names on a small piece of paper and shoved it deep into the pocket of her holy habit. The medal she gave to us depicts the signs of the end times with the Mother Mary standing on a globe and the head of the serpent below her feet. Encircling the oval-shaped metal are the words, quote, O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee, End quote. On the reverse side are 12 stars surrounding a large M from which a cross arises. Below the M, the metal depicts two flaming hearts. The left heart circled with thorns, represents Jesus, and the right heart, pierced by a sword, symbolizes Mary. Little did I know this would be a significant symbol for the end times as depicted in Revelation 12, quote, the woman and the dragon, end quote, as seen in the sky September 23, 2017. I'll discuss in a future podcast the connection to hearing the audible voice of God and a vision I had pointing to this event in September 2017. Many years later, I was attending a religious retreat when a woman noticed my medal and asked me if I was familiar with the story behind it. For all those years, the medal had my story behind it, and it had never occurred to me to find out the original story. I obtained the information online and immediately read the history of the medal. Our Blessed Mary designed the medal at the Daughters of Charity in Paris, France, as conveyed by a young nun in Poland on the night of July 18, 1830. When a mysterious child awakened Sister Catherine Labor and led her to the convent's chapel, the sister encountered the Virgin Mary sitting in a chair. She kneeled down beside Mary and rested her hands in the Virgin's lap. During their long conversation, Mary promised to return to give Sister Catherine a mission. The mysterious child who had awakened the young sister then led her back to her bed as she hears the clock strike two on July 19th. 
Approximately four months later, Sister Catherine learns what the Mother Mary is looking to accomplish through her. During her evening meditation, she is given a vision of Mary standing in a position like what would ultimately be her depiction on the medal. Sister Catherine is giving the vision multiple times. It later changes to include an inscription that is now written on the front side of the medal. The Mother Mary speaks to Sister Catherine, instructing her to, quote, have a medal struck upon this model. Those who wear it will receive great graces, especially if they wear it around their necks, end quote. The history of the end-time symbolism behind the medal of the woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars above her head, as described in Revelation, had now been given to my husband and me by a nun from the Vatican to wear for our safe travels. I put the miraculous Mary medal on my necklace with my crucifix, and from that point forward, our travel experiences can only be described as supernatural. Whenever we would need assistance in a train station or subway, someone was always there to guide us. One day, when we were driving through Spain to Portugal, we decided to stop for the night at a small village that was built in the Middle Ages and sat behind high stone walls. When we drove our car into the small fortress, a man directed us to park in a designated dirt patch. Once out of the car, we asked the man if he knew where there would be a good place to spend the night. Speaking limited English, he offered to show us. We zigzagged through the 14th century passageways to our destination. As he brought us to the end of a corridor, we followed him through a doorway into a small room where he began to speak in Spanish to an old woman and another man. The old woman hurriedly jumped from her chair, brushed past us, and went out the door. We followed her deep into the fortress through a series of narrow passageways and then up a narrow set of wooden stairs with the second man following close behind. Once we all reached the top, she took out her large set of keys and unlocked the old wooden door. She then pushed it open to expose a barren room with a queen-size bed and a large picture of Jesus hanging just above a plain wooden headboard. I immediately had a visceral reaction with a vision. I envisioned men breaking into our room in the middle of the night. I felt a wave of panic. I glanced back at the man standing outside the door behind us, then whispered to Jim to tell the woman we would think about it. I believe she could sense my hesitation as she started to speak to us in Spanish. The more she talked, the higher my anxiety rose. I could see that Jim was feeling confused. I gave him the look as I brushed past the man outside the door and descended the stairs to make my way back to the car. Once we were back on the highway, I explained to Jim that when I had seen the portrait of Jesus hanging over the bed, I instantly had a premonition that there was only one way in and one way out of that room, and we were trapped. I believe we were being set up for a robbery, or much worse. We drove past every castle along the way, which disappointed Jim tremendously. 
but I couldn't shake that cold feeling that we had just narrowly escaped something terrible. I wouldn't let him stop the car until we reached our destination in Portugal. Once we returned home, our next notable event happened at an award luncheon in 2004, where the AAA of Southern California was honoring my husband's automotive service and repair business for its 20 years of dedicated member services. AAA held ticket drawings to give away a Hawaiian vacation, club passes for the drag races, and many other prizes. My husband was focused on winning the Hawaiian trip, and I was focused on winning the drag race passes. The first numbers called were for the drag race pass, and I couldn't believe my luck as I ran to the front to collect. I felt as if I had just won the lottery. The grand prize ticket was the last to be called. With confidence, Jim proclaimed, quote, I'm next. We're going to Hawaii, end quote. Squeezing his ticket tight between his thumb and forefinger, he stepped forward as the last number was called. I told you, I told you, we're going to Hawaii, he said as he rushed to the front of the room to collect his prize. As we drove back to work, we reiterated to each other how truly blessed we were. Little did we know that this was just a continuation of dreams, visions, and miracles that would come our way. The foundation for things to come had been set. God had put us on a specific path. The experiences with dreams, visions, and miracles are the tools of communication. They inspire me and continue to educate me to be able to understand God's will for me. My mission for these podcasts is to share my experience so that you can learn to hear the voice of God. We are in a tumultuous time. We need to seek the face of God. Quote, Yet a time is coming and has not come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For we are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. End quote. That was John 4, 23. I look forward to connecting with you in the next podcast. In the meantime, you can go to www.livinglifeonhigh.com or you can email me at livinglifeonhigh at gmail.com. God bless.